Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. and welcome to episode 381 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is deep into the night, Sunday, December 11th, and I am joined on West Coast time by my friend, Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. How are you? That's right, Brad. We usually don't record this late on Sunday nights, but circumstances prevailed, and here we are late into the evening. It was a a fun and action-packed week across baseball uh, with the winter meetings going on. Maybe not the busiest week of all time for the Atlanta Braves, but Nonetheless, we have plenty to talk about, and I hope I hope you're sipping coffee or tea or whatever it is that you do to stay awake. Yeah, we're buckling down. I was going to make a joke about how we couldn't record because of the White Lotus finale, but that's not really true, although you got to watch it, you, and do not spoil it for anybody that listens to this podcast. Scott, I think you got yeah. to watch it, and uh, I had to cover a Hawks game in person, which is why we're starting this podcast at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, and anyway... Long story short, I might be just out of my mind by the end of this thing, so we'll have fun. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you you said it. Uh, not a huge Braves week, necessarily. There was one pretty big move that happened several days ago that we'll touch on here just to get our own opinions on this. I know uh, Sean touched on this. I know that Chris and Steven did in live um, fashion as the trade happened while they were recording. And I, I know you and I were jealous of that because usually uh, the Braves do stuff after we're done recording, not during the podcast. And uh, Chris and Steven got lucky on that one, I think. Yeah, it's... Um... Not an earth-shattering move, but, you know, Joe Jimenez, a very talented reliever. Um, It was going to be one of the off-season storylines that we had talked about was what they were going to do in the bullpen, especially with Kenley Jansen becoming a free agent. And Jimenez, who is not necessarily a household name, he has been on some really, really bad Detroit Tigers teams, but... um, you know, he he had a great year in 2022 and, and figures to be a really prominent piece of the Braves bullpen this upcoming year. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the bullpen actually a couple of weeks ago. You and I did kind of in just like looking backwards to look forward kind of fashion. And I wouldn't say the Braves desperately needed another reliever. But, you know, with Anthopolis, he's kind of proven that he's willing to spend either dollars and or capital on bullpens in a way that is not always you know universally beloved but certainly it's worked for them and the Braves have been really good in their bullpen for multiple seasons and you know you could sort of frame this in a way where it's like an overpay because especially if you are a Braves fan that is in love with with Justin Henry Malloy as the team's number one arguably position player prospect but considering the market for him in particular and we'll get into kind of the return here. Um, I, this is a perfectly reasonable price to pay as long as you don't get married to the fact that the Braves traded the quote unquote their best 
prospects for Jimenez because the Brave system is down, as we talked about a lot in this podcast. And uh, Jimenez, if you buy last year, and I think Anthopolis obviously does, and talks about that in his uh, introductory kind of response press conference, he's really good. I mean, he was maybe a top 30 or 40 reliever in the league last year. That's a heck of a piece to add alongside um, the guy who was probably the best reliever in baseball after the, after the, after the trade in Iglesias plus mentor and everything else that's going on in the Braves bullpen. So obviously that's really nice to have. I'm not, again, I'm not sure it was a need, but if you look at his profile, Jimenez was really, really good last year. The strikeout ratio was really impressive. Um, you know, obviously the ERA wasn't like Sterling. It was like in the mid threes, but given the circumstances, he is cheap this year as well. Um, the big question here that I would have beyond just like the short term is he's only under under control for one season. So maybe it's just more of a rental. But with Jansen leaving, there was kind of a spot open if you wanted to kind of view it that way. And uh, overall, like if nothing else, that's the way I said it on Twitter too, like this just makes you better for this year. You could certainly argue about it long term. And I guess the Braves are not hoping uh, on some way that Malloy is not going to make them look bad. But regardless, this this definitely helps the club for this season, provided that Jimenez is either healthy um, or good, obviously. Yeah, and we know that relievers are a very volatile bunch. Uh, historically, Jimenez has been good, and then he's been bad, and then he's been good again, and then he was bad. And then he was really, really good last season. Um, you look at his numbers, he, uh, Stephen Tolbert, who does the podcast to be named later on this same feed, pointed out that uh, Jimenez last season was almost identical, statistically speaking, to A.J. Minter. And Braves fans know very well just how good A.J. Minter has been. Um, of course, he throws from the right side and Minter is a lefty, but you talk about striking out a third of the batters he faced last year, 33.3% exactly for Jimenez, only walked 5.6% of the hitters he faced. So you don't have to be a mathematician to say a 6-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio is really good. Uh, he's 27 years old. Uh, he's been around the majors for a while, actually. Again, he's he's a guy who has been overlooked in Detroit, but I actually think he was an all-star last year. He might have been Detroit's all-star representative with the state of their roster. Um, and, and a point I'll make, I know I was taken back quite honestly by the amount of like love and affection for Justin Henry Malloy. Um, you would have thought the Braves traded away like Ronald Acuna Jr. five years ago with some of the responses that I... You know why was... though, right? I mean, it, it really is as simple as he is the best, uh. at least rated Braves prospect. <laughs> and I think there is always, and I'm, I'm not even like, Obviously, you and I are not prospect guys necessarily, but I think it really is that simple. Like, yeah. obviously, our guys like him too, which is part of it. You know, people that, I, that we trust, Garrett and the crew, like they they like him. So that's that's part of this too. But I think it's just because he was maybe the number one guy that Braves fans know by name, and that might that's obviously a little bit oversimplified. But I really think that that's actually it because Braves fans are used to the the Braves best prospect being a really good prospect, yeah. and not with all apologies to Malloy. Like, if you look nationally, he was not a top hundred prospect by anyone it didn't seem so it wasn't like i mean i, I actually asked our friend carlos Colazo about this and people that i kind of trust beyond the brave sphere and like everybody's like hey he's, he's kind of a prospect but he also was kind of blocked in atlanta too like he's more of a power corner guy and the Braves don't really have space there with riley and olsen and it's a whole thing but I, I had the same reaction as you like obviously it's not nothing to give up like he is a real sure, prospect sure. but it's not like to your point they were giving up michael harris a year ago <laughs> this is not the same thing Right. To give listeners an idea, yes, he was the number one hitting prospect in the system. 
I believe it was Carlos Colazzo of Baseball America, old friend of the podcast, Carlos Colazzo, who used to do these quite regularly. Co-founder of the podcast, by the way. That's right. Yes. Legend. Going probably, what, four or five <laughs> years back. Um, I think it was Carlos, maybe it was somebody else, noted that Henry Malloy, Justin Henry Malloy, would not make the Yankees top 10. And he was arguably number one for the Braves. So don't get caught up on the, oh, he was the number one prospect in the system. Yes, technically he was. But as we know, the farm system is not in great shape. Um, and, you know, you you generally are going to have to overpay in some capacity to acquire players. If it's a free agent, you generally have to overpay in money or years or both, as we have seen this past week. And in trades, you usually have to give up a, a nice little piece, especially to acquire a top-end reliever. If you believe, and the Braves clearly believe, that Jimenez is a top-end reliever, even if he's only signed for one year, you have to give up a decent prospect in order to get a player like that. Uh, and I don't blame the Braves for not wanting to get into a free agent overpay, especially for a reliever. If you want to give, say, a shortstop an extra year or two or a few extra million in order to make it happen, I'm not going to qualm with that. Um, but you probably don't want to start overpaying for relievers and free agency. Um, and, and if that's the price they had to pay, then then so be it. Yeah, especially with the fact that uh, Alex has not been shying away from spending on on the bullpen. Like, you know, Iglesias was was a guy in trade that was virtually free, but he's making a lot of money. Um, this is a bullpen that has some guys that they are having to pay real money to. Even Kirby Yates now is making real money after his kind of free season last year, et cetera. So they've already invested a lot there money-wise. Jimenez is cheap. Um, but yeah, I think that generally speaking, this deal is going to be totally fine value-wise as long as Jimenez is good. If he struggles, you know, maybe that bites them and Malloy blows up or whatever. It, it, it could look bad in some in some scenarios, but Anthopoulos said he's been trying to get him for a while as far as Jimenez is concerned. I think he might have even noted that Malloy basically has the profile of a, of a corner infielder and they don't have space for him either. So obviously he's been playing a little bit of left field and all that, but uh, I was generally fine with it. Sounds like you were as well. And, uh, you know... <laughs> Going back to the night shift and all of that from two from two seasons ago now, but the Braves again maybe have a top two or three bullpen in baseball on paper. You and I talked about the bullpen in general a couple of weeks ago, and I definitely recommend people listening to that to that podcast for a deeper look at guys like Iglesias and Yates and Mentor and you know Colin McHugh, etc. But they're really really good in the bullpen once again. And Kenley was always going to leave. It seemed like um, that's especially for two two thirty two, which is what he got from the Red Sox. That's a ton of money for him at this stage. Good for him. He was a, a helpful piece for the Braves last year. But I think the bullpen is now in pretty good shape, and they probably could just roll with that because even they even have like high upside, low floor guys to even bank on, like your Dennis Santana, Nick Anderson types. Like they have. Lots of options, and just the hope is always is to have by the end of the season you want seven guys or so that you can trust, and um, depth is con depth is always important too. But the bullpen is not a concern for really anyone, I don't think, at this point. And it, it was kind of already the case, and now it's even better. Yeah, and we know that. I mean, relievers get hurt just like anybody. Relievers have a couple of stretches where they aren't very good. Uh, it, it can be a variety of things. And before the trade, you have Iglesias, who you feel great about. And then you have Colin McHugh, who we are all very high on, um, although I, I think McHugh is best when he's in a versatile type of role out of the bullpen. Uh, but before they added Jimenez, who else was right-handed in the bullpen, excluding McHugh, right? You have Iglesias, McHugh, and then 
Dennis Santana, who they acquired from from the Texas Rangers a month ago. You mentioned Nick Anderson, who they signed, though he has basically not been healthy for a couple of years now. Kirby Yates, same deal. Who knows what they're going to get from Yates? And as we know, there's always going to be a surprise or two in the bullpen. But that being said, we know how valuable, especially the way that the postseason has shifted in recent years, you have to have a good bullpen in order to win a World Series. It is practically impossible if you don't have at least a couple of guys you feel really good about. And not only do you have to have that kind of of talent at the end of the year, but you have to have the depth in order to navigate an entire season. I'm fine with it. Maybe Henry Malloy comes up. I keep calling him Henry Malloy. Justin Henry Malloy (laughs) comes up and has a 375 on base percentage and just kills it. And everybody is uh, lamenting this trade for for however long. But... I am skeptical about his long-term defensive opportunity. And as you noted, third base in Atlanta is uh, pretty well accounted for. And left field, I mean, its I, I saw some people saying the Braves just traded a potential starting left fielder. I mean, there's no way. I mean, maybe, maybe one day he gets to that level. But as far as the here and now goes, I just don't see it. I think most prospect folks agree. Uh, Malloy wouldn't even make a top. 300 prospect list i don't think maybe he would crack a top two 250 i don't know but regardless man i'm I'm fine with it yeah i think we're in good shape there okay um if you want more on this trade by the way it's uh, like i said before it has been touched on by sean as well as chris and steven so i encourage you always to listen and subscribe to the podcast check out all the episodes that drop throughout the week not just scott and i on a sunday but uh definitely appreciate all the support always on the show and we'll have uh more in the future if we need to but the bullpen has been well covered in the last few weeks so we'll leave it there for now all right before we dive into the winter meetings recap uh, and the general madness of what's happening in baseball and maybe even a little bit of talk about a former Braves prospect spoiler alert, Elvis Andrews is on the agenda later on in the podcast but first a word from our sponsors on the show today hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, Scott, before we get into the Elvis Andrews weird rumor thing that's been happening the last few days, let's go broader with regard to winter meetings. And I saw this stat, I think it was on ESPN passing some, I think it might've been your guy passing your, your best friend. Um, who wrote this, but from the start of Monday to the end of Wednesday, 20, for agents signed in baseball and they agreed to contracts that were totaling about $1.6 billion in total value for 20 guys. Um, that's a ludicrous amount of money. Um, a lot of that was to the Mets who we'll kind of start with here, but uh, you know, obviously some big names have been signed as well. Trey Turner's off the market now, Xander Bogart's off the market now, Aaron Judge back to the Yankees, etc. But um, let's go to the Mets first. And I think you actually relayed this question. I, I think we've got it for a few people on Twitter as well. Like, basically, are the Mets actually any better than they were before? Because they're spending literally record-breaking numbers, a luxury tax bill well into the $400 million number for Steve Cohen. But they've kind of just shuffled the deck chairs, it seems like. I want, I want to know what you think of uh, this new-look Mets team with Justin Verlander and company because they have a lot of good players, but they kind of made 
it's kind of the same in some ways, maybe even a little bit worse. It's yeah. kind of bizarre. Man, um, the Mets. What a the Mets. What a team, man. And just before we dig in, do you remember like ten months ago when all of the owners were crying poor and saying, "Oh, Major League Baseball franchises are not good business," and I would have been better off just investing my money in the in the stock market instead of owning a, a Major League Baseball franchise. Do you remember that? Then how they cried poor for months during the CBA. <laughs> I do remember that. Um, I, I, I will say. Um, not to defend the owner. I never defend it. People know listen to this podcast. I never defend ownership ever, pretty much. Um, Steve Cohen is kind of an outlier, I think, because he's he's an absolute maniac. But um not just the Mets, like a lot there's of teams yeah, are spending. The, the Padres are not even like a big market team necessarily, and they are pouring money everywhere. The Phillies are spending money, the Cubs are spending money again. Uh yeah, I think that that looks I think you and I and Eric and everybody else agreed that was insane a year ago, and it looks even worse now. So yeah, if you're an ownership stand, uh, put put this in the in the agenda against you because ownership is always 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 full of it with with regard to money, basically. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that one out there. I hope all you're the right. owners tonight are doing okay, and their electric bill was paid in time. They are they are Scrooge McDucking into their piles of money as always. So there yeah. you go. Anywho, the New York Mets trying to quite literally buy like a world series, a division. I don't know what it is. They're going to be off season champions for the, however many year in a row, uh, Justin Verlander. I like Justin Verlander two years, $86 million is a <laughs> lot of money. I mean, he was awesome last year, but good Lord, man. Like I get that one. Sh- I get it. Cause it's only two years. Like, and as we've talked about forever with brave stuff, the shorter the deal, the lower the downside. But when it's forty-three million dollars a year, is that the number one AAV of all time? I should have looked. I should have looked this up. Is that the number one? I believe it is. Average annual value ever? Be, I oh, uh, I think it's the same deal that Scherzer got. So I think it tied actually, which would make sense. Just on the same time, get it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, if New York gets you know fifty to sixty starts out of forty-year-old Justin Verlander and thirty-eight-year-old. Max Scherzer, yeah, like that. That's awesome. I mean, that that's probably the best one-two punch in the game. Um, they gave eight years and hundred and sixty-two million dollars to Brandon Nimmo. Ooh. Brandon Nimmo is a solid outfielder, even if nobody likes. I mean, his little sprint to first base kills me every time. <laughs> Everyone else, by the way, I think that's uh, universal. But uh, yeah, right. But yeah. He's, I mean, he's a good ball player. I, I no planet would I give him eight years and hundred and sixty-two million dollars. Um, I like the Jose Quintana signing for a very reasonable $26 million over two years. Um, they signed late Saturday night, I believe I'm saying it correctly, Kodai Senga, um, very talented Japanese starting pitcher for five years. Um, you know, th- they've also lost pieces, and I think that's also part of it. It's not like these are just straight additions. Of course, they brought back Nimmo, Verlander for DeGrom. We'll see how many starts those two guys make. Um, they, Taiwan Walker went to Philadelphia. Chris Bassett is still a free agent and I don't think they're going to sign him at this point. So yes, the Mets are going to be a good team. Make no doubt about it. They're, they're going to be really good once again. Um, but yeah, I mean, the spending from Steve Cohen is insane that you're talking about a luxury tax of like 420 million. If they do nothing else, that that's crazy. Yeah. And it really is kind of striking if you lay it out side by side player for player they basically just replace their guys and that's that's a little bit simplistic but 
Verlander swaps for DeGrom. Uh, Walker swaps for uh, for Quintana, basically, either direction. Senga for Chris Bassett, unless they, unless they sign Bassett. And th- that's their three big, th- those three big money deals. And they're just replacing guys who were good before. It's not like they've, they've, they've not really upgraded notably anywhere so far. And Brennan Nimmo is good, like you said. And Brennan Nimmo for 20 million a year, he's worth that right now, but he's 29 years old. Like, I can't, I can't imagine Brennan Nimmo is going to be making, going to be earning that money at the end of that deal, which they probably know. So yeah, I think the Mets are still, are still good. They were really good this year. You know, obviously we all know the Braves had to track them down for months and months to finally pass them at the end of the season in the, in the division race. But the Mets are really good this year, all joking aside. Um, and they should be again, but I don't think they're better. And they probably are worse. I mean, maybe if all if it all goes according to plan, like Senga is a bigger unknown than Bassett was. Just anytime you got a guy coming over from, from Japan, he's apparently good by all accounts, but not like a guarantee to be awesome right away. Quintana was good this year, but he was kind of almost out of baseball a couple years ago. So I'm not sure he's better than Taiwan Walker. Um, Verlander at his age could fall off at any moment. So if I had to guess one way or the other, where the Braves, sorry, where the Mets are better now or worse now, I'd probably lean worse if I had to choose. I, my, my guess is probably similar to be honest, but uh, for all that money, I guess you probably just want to stay good and they are, but a lot of noise in there with the payroll number. I think you're just going to see about how much money they spent. And that's definitely, honestly, if I'm a Mets fan, I'm thrilled that I have an owner that's willing to spend that much money, but oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that they're, I'm not sure they're actually better. <laughs> it's just one of this. Yeah. Yeah. And until at this point, the Braves for my money and quite obviously Braves fan, Braves podcast, I still think they are the team to beat. Um, they're going to do something. I'm talking about the Braves here. I know folks are, are a little panicked, and I get it. There, there's been some big names who have signed, and there's been a couple of trades. But you know, of, of the big name players who have signed, did you really think Atlanta was going to be involved with any of them? No, right? Like, you know, I, I know there was the Jacob Degrom rumor for a hot minute. Maybe they could have gone after Verlander, though. If you're telling me I can have Chuck Morton for one year and twenty million, or Verlander for two and eighty-six million, well, they were, and they're just never going to do. They were never going to do that. Yeah, right. And you know, I guess you could have said Brandon Nimmo was a fit in left field, but he's left-handed, which doesn't necessarily fit. Uh, Trey Turner, you and I talked a week ago about the shortstop and, and free agency, uh, and really everything we said last week um, uh, still applies. If if folks want to go back and if they missed last week's episode. Um, you know, I never quite saw the Braves getting involved with Trey Turner. He, of course, got 11 years from the Phillies. Holy smokes. And, and then Xander Bogarts somehow got an 11-year deal. With San Diego Padres, A.J. Preller has just turned on like Madden rosters, and he's just kind of filling as he goes. You know, I, I never saw any of those types going to Atlanta. So if if we were doing this podcast tonight, Brad, and Dansby and Correa had both signed and maybe a shortstop had been traded elsewhere, like, sure, then I think there's a legitimate reason to be like, so what's the plan here, guys? What, what are we doing? Um, maybe we, we get answers sooner than later, but I'm I'm not anywhere near the, I guess, the panic or concern level that others have had. Yeah, that's that's right for sure, and uh, we'll get into the shortstop market in a second as well because we have a, a new name. It's kind of an old name that also surfaced. Um, I want to make sure we talk about the rest of the free agents though before I forget to do that. Um, especially two of the pitching names. Um, we talked about Taiwan Walker signing with the Phillies earlier. He got four for seventy-two. That's a lot of money for Taiwan Walker. <laughs> um, and then Jameson Tyone got four for sixty-eight. 
those guys are like league average starters. And I'm not, I promise I'm not trying to make my own point because I know I was I was the high guy on the Charlie Morton deal. Um, but I think unequivocally the Morton deal looks better in the wake of what has happened so far on the pitching market because I don't know that he's better than those guys, but a one-year deal for $20 million is a lot more favorable to the team than spending uh let's, let's just say an average of four for 70 for Taiwan Walker and James James and Tyone. And James is not Tyone. I can't say any of that, those words, but uh I don't know. I, I I'm not saying that's like Alex made the right decision implicitly. But if you look at what other guys signed for, maybe that they had a good read on that. And they were like, all right, we'll just choose the safe option of one year for $20 million. And also Alex loves one-year deals. But I wonder what you think, because obviously I was higher on Morton on the Morton deal than you were. Yeah, I, you know, I, I would have certainly have liked DeGrom or Verlander in Atlanta, even if it wasn't likely. But yeah, you know, four years for for Jameson Tyon for, for $68 million, 31 years old, I'll pass. I can't believe the Phillies. I mean, I can believe the Phillies gave Taiwan Walker four years and 72 mil. That's crazy. Like I legitimately laughed when I saw that tweet come across. Uh, That is the definition of reckless spending, Uh, especially when I I mean, just talked about Jose Quintana got a really reasonable deal with the Mets. I'm surprised more teams weren't in on that. Maybe he wanted to pitch in New York or something, but yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly good with it. It was also noted by, uh, Ken Rosenthal, in his Sunday article for The Athletic, how smart and how forward-thinking the Braves' decisions are currently looking to extend all of their players for numerous years and get ahead of this. Maybe it was just fortuitous timing with with guys like Olsen and Riley, but you know, especially the young players. You, know, you talk about Michael Harris, who is is coming off nationally rookie of the year. He has an average annual value over the next nine years of eight and a half million dollars. That is insane. Even if he is a young player who hasn't necessarily established himself like some of these other guys, it's just crazy value. It has a chance to really set the Braves up for a long time. Yeah, it really does. And uh, not new ground for us, of course, but just having almost all of the core signed is very helpful in building your roster out, especially when you have some level of financial constraints, you don't have Mets money necessarily to spend. So, um, all right. I just want to say, I want to say that out loud. Uh, last thing that's not bridge related that we have to talk about, uh, just for my own pleasure is, uh, is I have two words for you, Scott, and they are arson judge. <laughs> uh, John Heyman had a rough week. My God, John Heyman coming back, coming, coming through. I've always loved John. He and I get along famously. He loves me. I have, I have the DMS to prove it. He loves, he loves me for sure. Um, I, I, I don't even know what to say. I, I deeply enjoyed this. If you somehow missed it, he erroneously reported Aaron judge was going to go to the giants and also called him arson judge at the same time. It was the rare, for, it was the rare for two, uh, two for one um, of just, just disgusting mishap. And uh, that became national news to the point where it was like leading, <laughs> leading blogs and things. It was incredible stuff. Um, obviously judge play, judge is back with the Yankees. Um, we'll talk about payment again in a second with regard to the Braves. Actually, he, he reported something that was kind of reporting, but kind of, kind of not in famous fashion, but I don't know. I, uh, I deeply enjoyed that entire, that entire thing. Not, not only because I love John, but just in general, arson judge will live forever. Yeah, poor San Francisco Giants fans. And I mean that sincerely. They have had a really rough couple of weeks. It seems like every time a big name free agent has signed, there's a tweet a couple minutes later saying, 
oh, the Giants were in, but they got outbid. Or, oh, the Giants had the highest bid on the table, but it didn't get picked. I, I don't know what's going on there. That's a little odd. And for like nine minutes, Giants fans thought they were getting Aaron Judge, which, you know, John Heyman does break actual news, but he's also notorious for being quite wrong. He is also in the burn book for my good friend and co-host Brad Roland. So <laughs> he is dead to me. Um, oh, yeah, John. That was a bummer for for the – I mean, as much as uh, – I mean, it just felt like Aaron Judge was going to go back to New York if if the next nine years and $360 million go well. He will be one of the all-timers for that organization. But, um, yeah, that that was big-time money and, and – um, yeah, I, I, it's weird to say good for the Yankees, but at least for for their organization, I'm sure they are thrilled to have him back. Yeah, that was a big one. Uh, the Giants did get Mitch Hanniger, who's a good player. He's not quite Aaron Judge, um, alas. There are a lot of big names available, of course, Stansby being among them. And uh, that's a segue for our final kind of topic here, unless something breaks in the next few minutes. Um, our pal, Mark Bowman of MLB.com, uh, longtime Braves beat writer, kind of openly suggested multiple times this week that Elvis Andrews is an option for the Braves at starting shortstop if they do not bring back Dansby or like maybe throw a Hail Mary on Carlos Correa. Uh, that's uh, We'll stop there. There's another Dansby part of this too that I want to touch on in a second, but uh, what did you what did you sort of react? Uh, what was your reaction, I should say, with regard to the floating of Elvis Andrews? Because I, I think Bowman does not say things for no reason. So I would imagine he's actually heard this as an option. Oh boy. What were my reactions? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I will say this, you know, Elvis Andrews, we'll talk about him in a, in a minute, but man, for, for the Braves to be in the situation they are in trying to win another world series, it would be, I think a pretty big disappointment if they get through this off season and end up with Elvis Andrews as their starting shortstop at arguably the most important position on a baseball field. Um, you know, maybe it ends up being that, that Dansby gets some asinine traded or a free agent offer, you know, something like eight years and $200 million or something like that. I mean, it's possible with, with the way the market's going. I, you know, I guess I wouldn't fault Atlanta for not doing that. Or if, if Carlos Correa gets a $300 million deal, I'm guessing Scott Boris wants to make him the highest paid shortstop. So he would have to beat Trey Turner's 300 million number. You know, I guess if, if those two just get monster deals, then I guess I could stomach it a little bit more, but that, that would be, even if it's something out of the Braves control with the free agent market as a whole, it would be pretty deflating if if Elvis Andrews is starting at shortstop for the Braves come you know, April 3rd or whatever day uh, opening day is. Yeah, so I'll, I'm going to pose a question to you because we've talked on the show multiple times about scenarios where the Braves just kind of stay internal. We don't love that option. We've said that a number of times, but it was kind of floated out there. And there was the story from DOB about Ron Washington working with Von Grissom at shortstop. And uh, even some Marcia mentions, um, let's just say they, they can get Elvis Andrews for a pretty cheap number. Uh, take Dansby off the table. Would you rather them go with Von Grissom and Orlando Arcia, or would you rather have them sign Elvis Andrews. If those are the only two options that you have, Scott, Andrews for a relatively decent deal value-wise or internal options, which do you prefer? It's a good question. Um, 
You know, I think if, and, and Bowman suggested this as well, that if they were to get Elvis Andrews, then the assumption would be that they would go out and add a prominent left fielder. That was also our assumption, our assumption with the, with the Von Grissom Arcia thing too. By the way, a few weeks ago when that when that's that came fair. up, because that's because yeah, like you know you figure like in theory they're going cheaper at shortstop to spend somewhere else. Now that does not always definitely ensure that that happens, right. but I think you could probably assume that assume maybe that on both sides. I don't know. Yeah, um, boy, it's a good question. I I think shortstop is such a premium and valuable position i think i would take elvis andrews on like a one-year deal for minimal money i mean it better be minimal money for for him that's the the thing is i don't know if it will be i I, i'm not saying it's going to be a ton of money but he had a good year last year like even if you go by baseball reference war he was worse there but he was basically a two-win player and he was a three and a half win player according to finger that's a huge split it's basically about his defense he was a league average hitter last year he has not been a league average hitter for quite some time before that. So that's the question is like, what actually is he at the plate? I think of him as a very low end starter, but I do think this is not a hot take. I don't think I think of the three, the three guys, <laughs> he is the guy that has the highest median outcome for this year between Arcia, uh Grissom and Andrews. Yeah. Obviously Grissom has the highest ceiling. That's pretty clear uh, just because of the bat, but I don't know. I, I think I'm with you. I would lean to Andrews as well, provided the money is re- reasonable and they kind of just you know a lot it somewhere else right i don't know man like he was good this year so i'm sure people that are latching on to that like if you assumed that he was the same guy in 20 in 2023 that it was in 22 then sure like that's oh yeah he, he's yeah. a really good player last year um he has uh, i pulled the number yeah here we go he has a 673 ops since 2018 hmm. so that's a five-year sample size about 2300 plate appearances and he has been a soundly below average hitter yeah. Now that at shortstop with good defense, that's not going to kill you. But if he's not like an elite defender, like Danzy's better than him defensively. Um, and he is 34. He's a former Braves farmhand. He was famously in, in the big monster deal for Mark Teixeira, like literally a decade and a half ago at this point. Um, and he's still playing. So <laughs> he's older than you, I think, isn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so he's he's younger he's younger than me. That's uh, that's a win. Nobody's nobody other than Charlie is older than I am on this roster. Maybe Justin Chavez. Um, but I don't know. It's not a sexy name at the very least. Oh. And we'll get into the Dansby market in a second. But like I feel like we're all gonna have this moment where if they do that, let's say Monday morning, Anthopolis announces um, a one year deal for eight million dollars or something for Elvis Andrews. Like everyone's gonna be like, what in the world? And I kind of, I'm gonna kind of be on that side of things. I won't. I'm kind of conditioned to not panic, um, just the way that I approach this stuff. But uh, it just feels so purposeful to me that Bowman brought it up multiple times. Like I think it's gonna, it's definitely on the table as an option. Yeah, and I think it becomes more of an option if, as we just said, we don't know what kind of conversations are going on with the agents for someone like Dansby Swanson or somebody like Carlos Correa, you know, we're not privy to that information. We don't know what kind of contracts they they're looking for. We don't know what they've been offered, whether by the Braves or by somebody else. So we don't know that. You know, if you told me the Braves were going to utilize Von Grissom in a trade for a premium left fielder, and I'm talking, when I say premium, I'm, I'm talking of the, like the Brian Reynolds types, a in their prime proven 
left fielder with multiple years of control, right? Th- those are the only kinds of players I think they could trade either Vaughn or William Contreras for. You know, if you told me that Elvis Andrews was signed to a one-year deal as a stopgap at shortstop and they us- utilized Grissom to acquire a really good left fielder, you know, I could probably live with that. I, I wouldn't hate it, but, um, you know, it'd probably depend on who the player is and, and what other pieces were involved. Uh, but I just think I, I am in favor of just paying for the free agent and not losing one of the uh, handful of very young and talented players that are on this roster. But again, it, all it takes is for one team to come in and maybe get a little desperate. You know, I, again, I'm, I'm not optimistic on Carlos Correa, but I, I don't think it's impossible. And then with Dansby, as we have talked about, I mean, literally every week on this podcast for months, seemingly, you know, we just, I would be surprised if the Braves ultimately have the highest bid on Swanson, but he's a local kid, makes a lot of money from his advertising deals and his recognition in the Southeast. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of layers to it. I think most listeners are, are aware of, um, but it's, again, I, I've said it for a couple of weeks now, shortstop is such a fascinating decision for this front office. Yeah, it really is. And we'll get out of here in a second, but um the latest on Dansby is interesting. Bowman wrote in his newsletter, I'm going to quote him here. The Braves have offered Swanson a six-year deal with an average annual value between $16 million and $17 million. End quote. Now, we don't know for sure that's a new offer or the offer from during the season, but that is very, very, very low given the market and what Dansby has been projected to get by a lot of people. Now, I'm not saying that he's not. Let's just say this. I think that's an appropriate number for what Dansby actually has been in his career, but that is not in line with the current market. Would you agree with that? Just based on what the money that's flowing around the league right now, I don't think he's signing that deal. And if he does, he's always, if he does, it's only going to be in Atlanta. Um, That's not going to be his best offer. (laughs) I'm pretty, pretty confident in that. So like you, like, like you just said, so and Bowman also amended his, uh, actually, I'm going to read this to you again directly a month ago. This is Bowman talking. He says, I thought Swanson would remain, would remain in Atlanta. While this remains a possibility, it certainly doesn't feel like a probability, end quote. So I don't know what that means, that he's heard something. Uh, Dansby's been kind of radio silent by all accounts. He actually got married yesterday on Saturday. So congratulations to him and his new wife. Um, I, I think it felt like he was not going to sign until the wedding was over because of just when you're going to get married, you know, probably just was not trying to deal with that this week. And I, I don't blame him at all for that. It's obviously a life-changing event. Um, but now that that's over, and I'm sure he'll go on a honeymoon and maybe he'll be back in a week or so or whatever. But if that's the Braves' best offer, whew, uh, I, I would imagine that there's a gap there, uh, a significant gap there, and what yeah. Bans- be still asking for. I don't know where he's going to get it. You know, Philadelphia was famously in yeah. for shortstop. They ended up signing Trey Turner. Um, we'll see. The Cubs are the most prominent team, I think, that's been associated with him. I don't know, I teased this earlier, but our pal John Heyman added the Dodgers kind of to that list today. I'm not sure <laughs> if that was a report or not. Um, yeah. I'm talking about a Freddie Freeman, uh, Daisy Swanson reunion, but like, I don't know, man. I I kind of feel like Bowman, um, and honestly, because of what he wrote, like I, I just do not know where the Braves' number is because if they're going to draw anything like a firm line in the sand at that kind of number, sixteen, seventeen million dollars a year, he's not signing that deal. I don't think. No, I don't think so, and we'll see. I mean, I think if there's anything we have learned from Alex Anthopoulos, he's very calculated. He very seldomly makes an emotional. A rational decision. He he sticks to his guns for better or worse. And he 
as, as we have said time and time again, he is very, very good at what he does. He is not going to bid against himself for a player. And clearly the Braves have not catered to what Swanson's camp is looking for. Now, at a certain point in the winter, they might up their previous offer. I think it was reported that last year with the Freddie Freeman negotiations, uh, they upped their offer at one point from what they had previously given. I mean, I'm sure that point in time will come uh, this this winter with Dansby. But again, it's clear the the Braves are not going to bend over backwards to keep him in Atlanta. And I think that is the right move. I would very much like him to continue being with the Atlanta Braves. He's a very talented shortstop, but he is not a player that I would overpay for, especially if it's going to be over six, seven, eight years. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, the idea of Dansby getting an eight-year deal seemed crazy. And then Brandon Nimmo just got an eight-year deal when everybody thought he was going to get four or maybe five. Uh, so it's, I, I'm really curious to see after the winter meetings, there was this huge spending, <clears throat> excuse me, this huge spending frenzy. You know, is that going to be the norm the rest of the way? Or was that kind of the first wave and now things are going to calm down a bit? Yeah, I mean, it's different positions. But if you don't think Dansby's agent is going to say, look what Brandon Nimmo just signed for, you're crazy. <laughs> I'm sure he is referencing that deal as we speak. Um, and that was an eight-year deal. And he's actually, I believe he's in a year older than Dansby. Um, anyway, and we talked about it ad nauseum about like what Dansby is, is up to the eye beholder. Because this year, he was a star-level player. He was that good this year. Previous to this year, he was not that guy. He's a tough. He's a, he's a tough evaluation because of all that stuff. But um, only so, only a certain number of suitors, and Correa is going to sign with one of those teams. You would imagine, and obviously Correa is a better player. He will get more money, all that stuff. So he probably gets his first pick, and uh, we'll see where that lands. But uh, I think we are in agreement that if they don't bring back Dansby or somehow go huge and sign Correa, um, we're not going to be thrilled unless there's an upgrade somewhere else because. Uh, to bring things full circle, that's part of, I think, maybe the, I'm not even going to say negativity, maybe pessimism at this point from Braves fans that I've seen in mid-December is basically like, wait, is this is this it? Like, is this all the Braves are going to do this offseason? Which I, I would say no to. I, I think it's just too early to have that thought. But I also get it after the frenzy. And if they do go cheap, either with Andrews or somebody else or Grissom or whatever at shortstop, they cannot roll with Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Ozuna uh, at left field plus DH with a little bit of sprinkling of Wild Bill. That's not going to get anybody excited. And um, coming off of a season in where the, the Braves were a World Series contender again, they will have gotten worse if they don't do anything else this offseason, which is not what anybody wanted for a team that's been talking about spending big money, spending big money in the future. Yeah. No, I mean, you just kind of took the words out of my mouth. Um, there is still a lot of offseason to go, right? If, if we were doing this podcast in the beginning of March and the team – had done nothing, I'd be a little more concerned. We will see. Hopefully, um, you know, hopefully they get some resolution soon. But it's it seems also possible it's going to go for a while. And um, as I just said, Anthopolis is not going to rush into a decision. Thankfully, the the I think the prominent names who he could be uh, potentially after are still free agents or haven't necessarily been moved on the trade market. So there's still time. But I think uh, I think everybody is itching for a move. No no disrespect to. Joe Jimenez, but for that being the biggest deal at this point in the offseason, a full month in, is a little bit disappointing, but it is what it is. And I think ultimately something is going to happen. 
hold on tight, everybody. And listen, by our track record, maybe it happens on Monday morning. We're recording this podcast. I, I thought like there was a chance that during the recording might get a might get a move or something like that tonight. Um, it hasn't happened yet. If it's happened by the time you listen to this podcast, you can take us later. Um, I, I always appreciate all of the all of the somewhat jokes, somewhat serious responses. When you posted on Sunday afternoon that we, you and I were going to record tonight, everyone wanted us to record earlier to spur the Braves into action. Uh, I appreciate all the sentiment on that. And uh, maybe it'll happen overnight. But uh, it's a long offseason. The Braves don't report to spring training for uh, pitchers and catchers like it's still three months away. Like it's, it's a long, long way to go folks. I promise you we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about, but if there's a week here, a week there where nothing happens, don't panic. Uh, actually things have gone a lot faster this offseason than they have in previous years. Like the winter meetings were kind of a non-entity the last couple of years before this one. So, um, you know, if it doesn't happen right away, don't panic. There will be someone, someone, someone someone's going to be playing shortstop at some point, I would say. Um, all right, Scott. Well, I'm delirious. Thank you for doing this podcast with me late at night. Uh, anything that you want to get out there and plug or share? I know we've both plugged the podcast, but anything beyond that, feel free to uh, spread the word. Yeah, thanks everybody for for sticking with us in the off season. We will continue to have weekly episodes, a lot of news on this feed, and then be sure to check out the website as well. Any kind of news, we have the player reviews going. It's always fun to look back. On the season that was, especially when a team wins 101 games, is pretty special. Uh, but we appreciate the support, and hopefully we're back with you soon. Absolutely. Seconded, please subscribe to the podcast. Please, if you want to do us a huge favor, like go to auto-download on your podcast player of choice, or maybe multiple of them. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, all those places. If you're not finding the podcast on your preferred platform, let us know. I will do my best to get that fixed for you. Um, you can find Scott on the Twitter machine at ScottColeman55. Follow me if you'd like to at BT Roland. Follow the show slash site at BatteryPowerSBN. And all the written content is still flowing at BatteryPower.com. So we really, really do appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. As always, we are here. It's mid-December. We'll have plenty more wall-to-wall coverage. We'll see you guys next time.